I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanding via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Listening to the Glovers Cast on Three Valleys Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glovers Cast with me, Ben Barrett. No Ian Perkins today, more on that in a moment, but of course, we have the other third pillar of the Glovers Cast that is Mr. David Coates. How are you, sir? Good morning, good morning. Yes, if I wasn't here, it would just be you talking to yourself, which would be fascinating, I'm sure, but which slightly would be disturbing. A standard <laughs> Sunday morning in this household. It's, I'm the only one that listens. It's the only argument I ever win is when I'm having a go at myself. It's fine. How are you, Dave? Are we good? Are we happy on this delightful Sunday morning? Good. We, we haven't had any football to upset us, have we, over the weekend? And uh, we haven't got any for the foreseeable future either. So, um, Which is awkward so, yeah. when you're a, a football-based podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, the I have one no idea thing, what we're talking about here. The one thing you kind of need, just to, just to cement everything together, all the other bits and pieces. Um, what we have had, though, is we have had a Glover's Cast birthday. Happy birthday for yesterday, as we're recording, oh, David. Thank you. thank you very much. It was, uh, yeah, it was a... Uh, 
another um, uh, kind of a lockdown birthday. As my parents were up for the first time, so I've seen them for 18 months. So they live all the way down on, in Bournemouth on the south coast. So they came all the way up to the grim north to see me. So that was a present in itself. Oh, thank you. Nice. And thank you for the um, the uh, old style. I noticed you you picked the probably the oldest um, the terrace uh, mouse mat, which is the one with the bass uh, sponsor on it, which is probably the oldest one that they had there. I'd have thought, probably to signify my age. I would have thought. No comment has been provided. Yeah. <laughs> no so sponsorship yeah, has so. been provided from the terrace yet either. You're more than welcome, guys. You're more than welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've given you enough money between us probably i was gonna it. say i think you could <laughs> probably give them the sponsorship back yeah <laughs> we have got a surprisingly i don't know busy podcast considering there's no actual football to talk about <laughs> which is ridiculous we're going to talk about the fact that there is no football we're going to talk about um the fact that we're not going to hollywood uh yeah. to play wrexham uh we're going to talk about the fact that one of our players is playing in hollywood uh alongside a genuine a-lister yeah, and then after that, we've got a bit of a pre-record. Dave, tell us about uh, Tom and the non-league lounge. What are the Glovers Cast listeners going to expect from that a little bit later on? Yeah, so we figured as we are obviously a one-team podcast, and there are a lot of our one-team podcasts out there. And I don't know about you, but I've been looking on social media and seeing Notts County fans saying Notts County are going to win the league, and Chesterfield fans saying Chesterfield are going to win the league. Well, we thought we'd uh, we'd get an Altrincham fan, and not necessarily because he was an Altrincham fan, but just because he, uh, Tom Scottston, runs a podcast called the Non-League Lounge, which I, I gave a listen to a few episodes. They do very general general non-league stuff talking about right across the uh, you know all the different steps and he um he gave us a, a bit of a rundown of what he thought this season had to, to had to hold for us all and he did give his uh, his comments he saw us uh play Ultrium at their place at the end of last season was it the second from last game of last season um so he had some thoughts on 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 your oval town as well so yeah we got a bit of a chat with him later talking about the uh, the season to come but the season to come has yeah. been uh, put on hold, put on ice. We've got to yeah. wait an extra week, unfortunately. Um, where do we start? We have avoided defeat against Southampton B, Bournemouth under 23s <laughs> and Wrexham, which is no mean feat. Um, it's all in, it's all in. Yeah. Probably not <laughs> in the way that we hoped. Unfortunately, all three games have gone because there is COVID-19 in the Yeovil camp. Uh, at the time of recording, we don't know how many people it involves, whether there are lots and lots and lots of positive tests or whether it's just lots and lots and lots of close contacts and whether anyone has, has since gone on to, to test positive. The first thing's first. We just we just hope everyone's okay. Um, just, yeah, hope there's no longing symptoms. There's no long COVID or anything like that that's going to sort of rear its head and cause us problems later down the line. So we do just hope that anyone who is positive or close to those who are positive um, is okay. Um, but Dave, it's been, um, it's been a strange couple of weeks on that front, hasn't it? Just kind of desperately hoping for a quote normal season, desperately hoping for just a, just a fair crack at it for once to see where we are. And yet it feels like we're not quite ready to, to have that normality just yet. And it feels like a bit of a kick in the teeth that we've had, two preseason games and the first game of the season called off. It must be so frustrating for the guys. 
Yeah, and we've said for ages, haven't we, about Darren Sarr wanting a proper pre-season. And <laughs> yet again, he's not got one. He got, got a three-year contract, didn't he? And he hasn't had a single one all, all, all the way through. I mean, this is probably as near to a proper pre-season as, uh, as he's had. Because um, obviously the first one, he was uh, and it sort of turned up and it was just Matt Worthington sat, sat there waiting for him saying, <laughs> I'm your squad boss, let's go. Um, but Carl uh, Dickinson's in Stoke if you need him. You can exactly, call him back. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Give him a ring. Stuart Nelson's around here somewhere, I think. Or he might have left. But yeah, no, the um so it's it's been a it's, yeah. I think this is gonna go on for a long time, isn't it? I, I can't see a time. Well, what, what what is it? Is it by the time we'd be listening to this Monday, isn't there a change in the rules as to guards to close contact if you've got both your vaccinations? Something like that. It's have, all so confusing. I I don't yeah. know whether I'm coming or going most days. No. Yeah, so so I don't know whether that changes anything or whether that means, well, you know, obviously we know the Wrexham game isn't on, but can we squeak another friendly in in the you know the weeks that we've that, that we've got spare? I don't know, but I don't know about you, but maybe not playing Wrexham on the first game, and maybe I'm being a bit pessimistic, but not getting uh, a hide in from Wrexham um, at the. As we, we kind of did towards the end of last season, didn't we? I think it was three nil, but they um they were very. It could have been more than three nil that day, I think. So maybe not getting spanked by Wrexham on the first game of the season and Kings Lynn, I think we've got now at home. Yeah, our first game feels like it might be a bit of a blessing in disguise, but the not having the preparation of those preseason games doesn't feel like a, a blessing in disguise. I don't know what you think. No, it's difficult, isn't it? There's been a lot of very angry Wrexham fans on social media saying that we should be deducted, they should be handed the points, it shouldn't have to be rearranged and things like that. And um, there's a lot of cynical people saying things like uh, they've overestimated their season tickets, so they were struggling to accommodate Yeovil fans. Yeovil have got COVID that they probably could have played by the time the 10 days have run out. But it all seems a bit convenient on all fronts that they've just called it off and will try again later. I'm not entirely sure I I buy into much of that, if truth be told. Um, Wrexham have rearranged a a fixture, haven't they, Mm, to fill the gap. They're now away at Solihull which was a game that was planned in for much, much later in the season. I think that was a bit of an indication that they recognise that this season is going to be disrupted. So they'd rather free up a Friday or whatever it was, or a Saturday later on in the season, get a game in, <laughs> just get one played, and they're on the board and they're off and running. So they wanted to get going, knowing full well that there's every chance there's going to be bits and pieces of disruption later on down the line. Yeah, and like so, you say, they've got the problems with their ground, haven't they? With the capacity, they're they're having building work done on the on the home end, I think it is. So they're playing away, I think, that first game at Solihull, aren't they? Yeah, um, exactly. So they've yeah. got home home ground problems for the first two home games, us and Notts County, where basically they've got all their season tickets, but they've got nowhere to basically hold the away fans no. because that stand isn't there, and there are home fans that are meant to be in that stand have got to be rehomed elsewhere and it's all getting a bit tight on numbers um so uh, yeah they've got a few problems themselves Wrexham like I said I don't necessarily buy into all of the uh, the cynicism of it just suited everybody I think Yeovil have probably got even in a close-knit environment if you've got one or two positive cases 
then you've probably got six, seven, eight, nine, ten people who would be deemed close contacts. Um, yeah. Very, very, very unfortunate. Very, very frustrating as well. Like you say about the friendly, it does now open up that week. Maybe not the um, the Saturday that we were due to play Wrexham, but it does open up the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It is worth noting as well that today that we're recording Sunday the 15th, there is an under-18s friendly that is continuing to go ahead. Um, we've not had any notification, but I just wonder if maybe some players who are not close contacts, who maybe haven't been involved or a trialist or two may appear in that under 18s friendly. It's been difficult to get information on that um, on under, on the under 18 squad at the moment. If we do get anything, we will try and bring that to you. But I was thinking about Toby Stevens. He hasn't been in the squad for a couple of games, has he? So if he hasn't yeah. physically been there, um, I wonder if he could maybe get a little run out for the under 18s, just get, an hour in the books and just kind of get going. So we're going to keep an eye out for an under eight, under 18s team news is for that Sunday. On the Saturday, is it? It's the, is that? That, that's today. That's today the fifteenth. Ah. So okay. I do wonder if there are others, or if if a couple of the trialists are still there and are training kind of by themselves, just on the training ground, trying to get whether or not they can just be chucked in and told just go out and have a run, just get some minutes in the book. So we'll we'll try and do some digging as to whether or not there are any trialists or any regular names that we would otherwise recognise in that under-18 side. Whether or not there is, who knows? Do they have it? to be under-18, the trialists, to play an under-18 game? <laughs> I think they might get away with it as a pre-season friendly. They can, yeah. uh, they can do whatever. But uh, yeah, so it's been a bit of a frustrating uh, time. No football, no preparation. Um, players isolating within their own rooms, within their houses. It's not great preparation for starting a season that we all hope was going to was gonna be positive. It's frustrating. I was planning to go to Wrexham. You were planning to go to Wrexham. I had my yeah. professional hat on. You yeah. had plans for um, an away end. Unprofessional hat on. Yeah. Unprofessional hat on. <laughs> um, yeah, so very, very frustrating being offered a, a co-commentary role and then having it <laughs> taken away by default about 12 hours later was yeah. not how I expected that to go, but it'll come back around and we'll have to just go again. But it, yeah, all eyes on Kings Lynn now. Um, let's talk about a couple of individuals, one that's definitely in and one that is definitely, well, probably not coming back. A let's, long way away at least. Yeah, yeah, a long way away. Let's talk. Who should we talk about first, in or out? Yeah, let's talk about Albie first, shall we? Okay. So it, uh, chronologically works. That was a, that, that was a strange twenty four hours yeah. because you found him, didn't you? You found, oh, well, you you spotted the picture and you put it on our WhatsApp group to start with. Where and it was off of a Instagram account. Yes. So yeah, go on. tell the story if anybody so heard it already. It appeared on my account or on my feed um, a couple of days before, or a day and a bit before. Um, and I didn't clock that he was sat next to genuine Canadian pop sensation, Justin Bieber, who's worth <laughs> a couple of hundred million dollars. Um, but then it reappeared the next day. And for some reason, I looked at it and went, that's Justin Bieber. Yeah. So anyway, you then start doing a bit of digging and you haven't got to do a lot of Googling to find Justin Bieber playing football in that kit on that day in America. And sure enough, there's a video clip of Albie Skendi playing a delightful little through ball through. So Justin Bieber, he misses. He lets it run out of play. <laughs> lets it run out of play. He's very much involved in the Reuben Reed role there. I'm, I'm yeah. okay with it. Um, his hands up in the air, and <laughs> so, so yeah, Albie's, Albie's obviously, as we now we know, he's a contracted player, and that's what we've been yeah. told. 
clearly has no intention of returning, clearly has no intention of of not playing, even if it is just seven aside, nine aside, sort of kickabout level football. But that's him done, isn't it? That's the yeah. clearest indication yet. He doesn't care that the paparazzi are going to be there for Justin Bieber. He doesn't care that he's going to get found out on Instagram. He doesn't care that the Glovers cast is going to socially stalk um, members of the uh, members of the team. It's things like that. It's it's he doesn't care. He's not coming back. Whatever the reasons are, he's done, isn't he? Do you think he's being paid? I have no idea. I guess this yeah. this is where things become a bit legally confusing, doesn't it? Yeah. Because arguably he could have breached his contract. But well, not turning up for work, I would have thought it's probably about the biggest breach of contract you can have, isn't it? Exactly. So do Yeovil then have to be on the side of, well, we have to continue paying him to honour our side of the contract? Or now that he's breached his contract, do we have to just rip it up? I think yeah. what I think what we'd like to know, and whether this is um, something that can be said or can't be said down the line by, by Darren Saar, by Scott Priestnell, or by whoever, is are we able to bring this to an end? One way or the other. Is he going to be, quote, sacked, quote, released? Are they going to do a mutual agreement job? Are they going to sell him? Is there a is there a lower league side in America who can pay us £4.50 in a packet of crisps for Albie Skendi? Um, or is he going to try and be reintegrated? Darren Stiles reintegrated other people who've been frozen out before. Or or is he gone? And I think I think for everybody, this just now needs to end one way yeah. or the other. I imagine there's legal wranglings going on that means it will just rumble on and on and on. Um, but yeah, he's he's done, isn't he? I think I don't think we're going to see Albie Skendi in a yoga. And, and I'd be surprised, as you say, if we saw him in a playing against us or playing in this country again. He seems like he's probably decided that um, Los Angeles, was it Los Angeles they were playing in? I believe so, yeah, LA. Yeah. yeah. So probably, yeah, better than than Yeovil, but uh, weather-wise, certainly, yes, yeah, weather-wise, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, so that's but the one who's gone. What about so it, the one who's in? It is Watford's Sunny Blue Low Everton. What a name, <laughs> by the way, for a Scottish youth international. That is fantastic. Um, we spotted him as a trialist, didn't we? In uh, in the, one of the recent West game that game. we actually did actually play, um, and we noted that he was still contracted at Watford end of this season. And that he knows Darren Sahl anyway from his time at Watford. So he's in, he's in on loan. It's a six month job. It's not quite the full season, but he's an attack minded player. Something that I think everybody and their mother has been calling out for, for Yeovil Town this season. We know very little of what we do know. Is it a positive move? Yeah, I think, like you said, everybody's been asking for attacking players and I don't think he's the 20-goal striker that we probably want or need. Um, but I think he is definitely a step in the right direction. He seems to, from what you can read about him, have you know, good good, good pedigree. Um, and we did a, a little story from another story that appeared in The Athletic, um, an interview with, among, with actually, with... Uh, with Sunny Blue, Sunny or Sunny Blue? Is he Sunny? I don't know. Sunny. No idea. Yeah, Sunny. Him SB. Yeah, uh, yeah he, um, with his dad, it was an interview with his dad, but also with Darren Salm. And this was back in summer 2019 that was published talking about him. Um, and <laughs> the first uh, piece that they had from Darren Salm talked about when this kid, uh, I think he said, they quote Darren Salm saying, so this 15-year-old skinny kid with four-barreled uh, four name turned up 
And then it said something like, Saul said with a smile. And anyone who knows Darren Saul can just imagine what they would have thought about uh, someone with four names turning up and saying, hi, I'm Sonny Blue Low Everton. And I'm <laughs> just looking at him like, you um, but then he, he talks about how he invited him to join his uh, academy squad and, you know, run around the pitch and he didn't want to stop running. And he, you know, and then he got, uh, you know, got his boots on and started playing and said what a, you know, what a good player he was. Um, so, so he certainly sounds like, well, he's certainly someone Darren Sahl rates. And I did speak to a, a, a Watford a uh, friend of mine, Watford season ticket holder, um, friend of mine, and she said that he's very well thought of amongst fans there. Um, she lives up north, but she said that her brothers had been to a couple of those friendly games that he'd played and said he played alongside, and you mentioned it the other week, I think, about him playing alongside Troy Deeney in a friendly and said he is very, um, very good, said quite slight, so not quite sure how he'll cope against the uh, the bruises in the um, in the National League Uh defences but maybe we'll get Joe Quigley to deal with them and then we can uh, uh, so I'm not really sure where he plays I mean I think well, that, that was going to be my next question do you think yeah. whilst we're not getting an out and out front man do you think we're getting a James Tilly a Jack Clark yeah. of that ilk who's more who's more aligned to creation rather than yeah. anything else yeah, yeah, I think he's that, uh, you know, floating role, that number 10, that false nine or whatever. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> La Trequiesta, come on. <laughs> Trequiesta, there we go. Well, um, uh, yeah, so I think he probably is. And I think, it, I, I do think it's a good move, but I do think we need more up from... Uh, it's a step uh, in the right direction, but I think you're right. It's right all direction. well and good creating, but it'd be quite nice to have someone to get on the end of it. You, uh, it's hard not to think of if you've got a creator like a James Tilly to have someone like Reese Murphy to tap them in from six yards every time is yeah. a huge, huge bonus. So hopefully we can find that along the way as well. But step in the right direction. Six yeah. months of a young lad who knows Darren Saul. He's quoted as saying that Darren Saul brings the best out of him. Um, it seems like it works all around. He's not new to this league. He was with Wilston last year, played against us for for one of the games. So he will know that he's in for a bit of a bruising from certain lumps of centre-backs and whatnot. So I think... Um, played against our lumps of centre-backs, eh? Yeah, played against exactly. Max yeah, Wilco, exactly. Think, so. Exactly. He will know that. So hopefully, that's this is one that I'm just the teeniest, tiniest bit cautiously optimistic about i'm just hopeful that it all works out nicely for the pair of them really him and sal that they kind of come together and it works well i'm looking forward to seeing him i was hoping to get to see a little bit more of him in a pre-season game i think that would have helped him significantly to have that interaction with Knowles on one side wakefield on the other with reed with quigley whoever it needed to be we're not going to get that that's again another downside of these postponements but but it is a step in the right direction so hopefully Welcome to Yeovil, sunny blue, low Everton. So that's Skendy taken care of. That's Everton taken care of. Not Everton, but Everton. Everton. <laughs> um, who else have we got? Is that it? That's it. I think that's that the ins and outs, isn't it? Because there isn't, uh, yeah, we haven't had the, like I say, the goal scoring centre forward that everybody's screaming for. But um, I, yeah. I, I noticed that a couple of the guys that I kind of, rallied off on the last podcast where I did a bit of random scouting of since found themselves homes in the football league. Sean Harrison's now at Morecambe. Alex yeah. Fisher's now at Newport. There are still strikers available. And that's the only thing that's keeping me sort of going. I know let's, 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 let's open a can of worms. There's been a lot of dejection 
around this preseason from Yeovil fans. Um, yeah. We've spoke about it on the podcast, and it's something that we're going to ask a little bit more of our supporters and our listeners in 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 a little bit. But I'm not having anybody write the season off in August. I'm not. When I'm you really, say anybody, you mean me, don't you? I mean, <laughs> I mean anybody. I mean anybody. Yeah. Season's over. Season's over. If you believe, if you believe, an increasing majority of Yeovil fans. Um, well, I wouldn't quite say a majority because there's always a, a but on so if you go on social media, a vocal probably, majority, uh, yeah, a vo- vocal minority. I would okay, say, a vocal yeah. minority, but that it is getting bigger. That yeah, minority. yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not prepared to write the season off. I've, in, I've invoked what I'm calling the Green Day clause, where you can wake me up to this negativity when September ends and not a minute before. Um, You've been thinking about that one, haven't you? I yeah, know. I did. Yeah, yeah, I'm keeping that one. Um, so. Is it, why do you think there is that negativity, Dave? Why do you think there is that, is it just a striker? If we brought a striker in tomorrow, it will be okay. Is that, is that what you think? Everybody had spoken about this Andy Dallas, hadn't they? Well, I think yeah. everybody, you know, I had and a few other people. Had, the, the lad who was at Weymouth, that did really well. And he obviously signed for Solihull the other day. I reckon if we'd have signed him, because I, I think I've said on here and I've said to, to people already, if you look at our team, no, the goalkeeper. I I haven't seen. I only saw him in that one game at Stratford, but he seems to be generally rated a solid goalkeeper. Yeah, the the fir- your first choice back four. Let's say it's um, little Barnet, um, Wilkinson, and 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 Hunt, um, and then you've got other options, and then you've got Bradley, and you've got Morgan Williams. I mean, and then and then in midfield you've got Knowles, Wakefield, um, Gorman, and Staunton. That as a first choice. You know, uh, midfield and 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 defence doesn't feel too bad. It's just the attack which just isn't it isn't there. I mean, Sunny Blue uh, obviously makes that a bit better. Um, and if we if we had Reed as well as Quigley, then that would feel a bit better as well. It's just, and we've already seen injuries, haven't we? As soon yeah. as you start to lose some of those. We, we immediately have problems. And as soon as, um, you know, we, we think about where the goals are going to come from, we have problems as well, don't we? So I, I think if we'd had a bit more depth, uh, you know, maybe even just another two or three signings with a couple of those maybe being, uh, you know, st- strikers or, or at least a striker, then I think people will feel a, um, a, a lot more positive. But I think when you look at, um, and we'll go on to it when we talk to Tom from the non-league lounge in a minute, but when you look at what Wrexham and Chesterfield and Stockport and Notts County, you know, chucking cash around like, like anybody's business, when you look at that, it's difficult to think, well, why aren't we doing that? And we know why we're not doing that. Because we, it, even when we were in the championship and, you know, mm. probably at our most opulent, we never, uh, we never chucked money around. Unless you include Pablo Bastianini, I think. I don't think we ever <laughs> we ever spent a serious fee on anybody, did we? So we were never going to do that. Um, but when you see clubs bringing in players from higher, the divisions, I think it probably makes you think, "Oh God, we're going to be in for a for a tough season." But you don't know what these you know, what these players are going to be like. Like I um, was looking at Barnet. Barnet of you know obviously got Harry killed and his new manager. They've signed quite a few players. They signed that Adam Marriott, who was at where was he? he was at King's Lynn, wasn't he? And then he was at East Lynn. And you think to yourself, well, he could be quite a, a decent player. And they brought in a few others that you just think, oh, they 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 could be quite good. But all of these players could come together and be awful, couldn't they? I mean, Harry Kill's hardly got a great pedigree as a football manager, is he? I think he did all right at Crawley or someone like that. But he um 
yeah, so it, we could bring in loads of players and it could not work at all. But we've got a, 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 a what did the manager call it? A threadbare squad. And we don't appear to have anybody who can score us more than, well, except Tom Knowles can't stop scoring um, a lot of goals. So I think if we had a bit more depth in the squad, you'd have a lot more positivity. But yeah. It just doesn't feel like a great place to start, does it? No. All sat at home by themselves, isolating on Zoom chats. Not too dissimilar to us, actually. You know? No. Um, yeah, it feels isolated. a little bit... Yeah, no, I'm fine. I, I'm off to work in a minute. Um, it's the... Um, yeah, it does feel a little bit like that. It does feel like we need a little bit of a bit of a pick-me-up. It really, really does from somewhere. It really does. Um, I'm not ruling the season out. I'm not rapping. Not, 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 not in the slightest, but yeah. I'd like a front man, please, yeah. if at all possible. It's nice that we could probably pick our first 11 and it'd be okay. I think that's what we're all in agreement with, was if we if we were playing Wrexham, we could probably pick the team. We probably knew that Little and Reed are out, but we were quite happy having Alex Bradley going at right back and you'd imagine Sonny Blue would be the one that comes in for Reed up front alongside Quigley with Knowles and Wakefield probably just given the freedom to go for it, allowing Staunton and Gorman to kind of sit and do the holding. So... It feels like there's an 11 that's okay. But it feels yeah. like we just need to fit the final pieces of the puzzle in together. And hopefully that extra week on top has uh, has allowed us a bit more wiggle room, maybe, to try and bring somebody else in. Just another body, just somebody else. There are players out there, 10 to the dozen at the moment. We're at that stage. It's, I've noted that it has been said by a few other managers, actually, in the bottom around League Two, as they're signing players and getting things done, that they're not in the position anymore to demand the wages and the contracts that they were at the start of the summer because team rosters are filling up. So they're starting to drop their demands or say, no, go on then. No, I will do this that you didn't want me to do. No, I will take this slight cut. So Hopefully that just opens a few more doors for us. We have got loan spaces available as well. You can have yeah, up to five. We've only got one loan, haven't we? Two. Oh, we've two loan. Two Everton now, yeah. and Simper. Um, so there are loan spaces. Look, they're not the answer to everyone's conundrums, but we um, we can bring players in and we do have contacts elsewhere. Jimmy Smith's up at Chelsea. Any chance, mate? Um, Alex O'Loughlin owes us a striker from Southampton. He does, which is handy. He? Yeah, he's not sorted that out yet, is he? So, sure you know, he he's got to pull his finger out. So, you know... You know, yeah, we are in need of some firepower. Let's yeah. we opened up the the uh, we opened up the social media questions because we had nothing to talk about, which is nice. Um, and we got a couple, um, a person by the name of Ian Perkins. I've heard of him has asked yeah, us if we could. Him, yeah. No, I don't trust him either. If we could drop any player from our history into this squad, who is it and why? And why is it Gavin Williams? <laughs> so I'm going to start with something here. I'd argue the one thing we don't need is Gavin Williams. Hmm. Well, it's well, never it never hurts. Sunny Blue, Low Everton. Well, we've got Tom Knowles as well. I was thinking it's not the same, and having Gavin Williams is very rarely a bad thing. But it's not the it's not the emergency position, is it? We need a striker. We, we need, need a front man. We need a we need a Phil Jevons. Or you, you know, I'm going to say Howard Farrington anyway. So I that's fine. Let's, might as well just say it. But but that's what we need, isn't it? We need someone who's going to get you twenty. The, well, what did Jevo get? He got like, over 20, didn't he? Yeah, when yeah, the season yeah. we went up from League Two. So, so yeah, I would agree with you. But I, I think that's what we need. I mean, yeah, I don't think there's any point in our history where you could uh, not, you could drop Gavin Williams into a squad and it wouldn't be a good thing. Um, I think, yeah, I'd have him now 
even playing. I, I was just about to ask, now. how old is Harold Forrington and what's he up to? <laughs> yeah. If he's, I if he's got availability for a couple of weeks' time. He's got more grey hairs than I have, let's put it that way. And that's quite a few at 41. So, um, yeah. But, but yeah, he, I'm sure he could bang a few in. Jevo was still playing for Pied United or something like that not so long ago. So, yeah, wherever you are, Jevo, get your boots on. Definitely. Who would you drop in then? Who would be the... I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of less fussy about my striker options at the moment. I'd like a bit of a... I'm not going to sw- yeah? Well, I'm not... Well, do you know what? I'm not going to... I'm not going to... I was going to say a bit of a something house, but I don't know how to do the edits and I'm on editing duty this week. So I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. try and edit out bad <laughs> words. So uh, I wanted someone who's a bit nasty, a bit horrible, a bit a bit sort of shove people out of the way. And Lloyd Arusu did come into my mind, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm getting... Yeah, exactly. One of them, just sort of a yeah. horrible so-and-so up front, a bit of a horrible rough people up a bit, get going and yet still know where the goal is. So, yeah, I was thinking I was thinking Warren Patmore, I was thinking Lloyd Arusu, I was thinking James Hayter, I was thinking Marcus yeah, yeah. Stewart, sort of nousy, old, wily sorts that can still do the job. I was thinking one of those. And Jake Edwards. Yeah. Jake Edwards was always, he was quite big, wasn't he? He was quite big, but he was a very good technical player Kurt as Jackson, well. Jackson, Carl Olford. Ah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just kind of shove people out of the way. The ref doesn't really care. Nod one home. Easy. Done. Um, those kind of strikers, that's the kind of person I want. But the more I thought about it, the less fussy I got. Yeah. To the point where I was like, if Andre McCollin and Craig Calver are available, <laughs> I'd probably be okay with it at this point. Um, so, yeah, just just want a striker, really. That'll do me. That'll do me. Um, uh, that answer your question, Ian. I hope so. Thanks for listening, Ian. Really appreciate yeah. you uh, taking the time. Great. Please like, share and subscribe if you can. Yeah. <laughs> Please um, come back. Joey Chinook, uh, now an actual uh, Glover's Cast listener. Why doesn't Darren use his former club, Brackets Watford FC, more as a link for clubs for loans after our latest signing? And I think that's an interesting point. But I actually think the one thing we cannot accuse Darren Sarlov is not using his contacts well enough. I mean, we look at the the, the players we've had from Stevenage, you will go, he's obviously had history with Charlie Lee in the past, players like that. He has brought in players that he knows and can sort of hang his hat on a little bit. Watford, Watford has changed a lot in a very short space of time. They've had about 90 managers, I think. Exactly. The- so yeah. that whole setup is very, very different to the one that, that Darren Saal would have had um, at the club. Um so that's possibly the reason why I feel like this deal with Sonny Blue Low Everton might even be a slightly more individual, personal sort of relationship. They kind of know each other. The families know each other and things like that, rather than it's a club versus club. So um, that's probably the reason, unless you have another reason. That's possibly why I think, no, Watford, I think- Watford's a different club than it was two years ago. It's a different club than it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. And, and you know, maybe this is the start of something. Yeah. We, we, we spoke about um, just Noisefield last season, didn't we? I know we sent him back with a broken leg, but um, he, but you, you'd imagine that uh, Luton, if Luton had, um, I know Joss isn't fit again, but if they had a, a, another player like that, they'd probably look at us quite favourably and say... Uh, let's let's send uh, let's send someone in, and I'm sure if Sunny Blue does uh, does well, whoever is it Hayden Mullins, I don't or is he somewhere else? So whoever the academy coaches at Watford now might look at him and say, okay, well it was Sonny's dad that sorted that out because in that athletic article he does call Darren Sala proper friend or something like that. Um, so maybe if we do well with him, then maybe they will want to send more down. We saw it with Tottenham in the Beaker Colker. Townsend era, didn't we? Mason, name them all, can't you? But um, Danny Hutchins, the uh, but but if we can have a few 
if we can do well with sunny blue then maybe they will um lend us a few more but um yeah i don't really know what watford they they, they have quite a few players that come through into their first team don't they so they must have a, a decent academy but yeah like you said they've had 19 spanish italian managers since they've got those owners that just sack everyone after you know yeah well they the owners also own is it granada in spain and an italian side so they kind of yeah so there's kind of a lot of a lot of chopping and changing which is what i mean watford's a very different club than it was um under darren sal and it's not been a long time so that's probably why and i do think darren sal does use his contacts pretty well and obviously Skivo does the same he knows uh Nathan Jones up at Luton like you say we've had Gabby Osho from them he's done fine yeah. um so hopefully hopefully we can hopefully we can utilize sort of um utilize those a little bit more and try and squeeze in a couple of of extra loans um that brings I think pretty much to the end of our questions Not a, well, we did have a question about uh is Ian leaving and we can exclusively reveal that he is leaving as far as a campsite in Dorset or, or Cornwall, I think he said. That is as far as he's gone. He will be back. He's camping by choice. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know what the weather is like where, where, where you are, but it certainly bucketed down last night. So yeah. pray for Perkins, yeah. wherever he is. I, I can't get around camping. No, it's not for me. It's no. not for me. So um, we are now going to ask a little bit of something of you, Glover's Cast listeners. Now, we were planning this Friday to do a proper pre-season preview show. But that's obviously taken a big whack around the head um, by the fact that we haven't got a game. We're still going to do a bit of a preview show. We're still going to try and preview the season as a whole. And we kind of want your help. We want to know in a kind of old cider space fashion, where you think Yeovil are going to finish this season. And we want a bit of a top seven. We want a Yeovil position and who's going to go down. You can uh, put Yeovil in the promotion places if you like. You can put Yeovil in the relegation places if you so like. Um, but we kind of want to know those three things. David Coach doesn't know this yet, but I'm about to ask him to put some uh, social media polls out on Twitter throughout the oh. course of the week. He doesn't know he's been asked that yet, but he has now been he asked. He doesn't know how to do it either. But oh, well, we, you can, if I've got I'll to figure out it. how to edit this podcast, <laughs> if you're listening to this and minor miracles happened, you can figure out how the poll function on Twitter works, please. I'm sure um, I can, yeah. So what polls am I doing? I'm going to have to write this down. Well, we're going to, we're going to need to canvas some opinion. Where will Yeovil okay. finish is okay. the simplest answer. Top seven, middle to middle, bottom half of middle or bottom. Those are the four technical answers. Um, and who's going to listen to this back because I'm writing these down. Yeah, writing these down for the benefit of the tape. Dave yeah. Coates is furiously scribbling. Um, who's going to win the league and who's going down? Let's keep it simple. We want to know. But if you want to provide us with a full top seven, you're more than welcome to get in contact via any of our social channels or gloverscast at gmail.com. I've given out that email address, not knowing the password because that's all Ian as well. Um, so, yeah, social media is preferable. And we'll try and put some stuff together. I'm going to search the web for some National League previews and see where other people are thinking that Yeovil are going to finish. I saw one on Instagram that had us eighth. Eighth, I tell you, missing out by goal difference or just a couple of points from the playoffs. There's a whole bunch of Oval fans who'd snap your hand off at eighth right about now. Um, not me, though. Not me. Um, so we're going to scour the web for some previews. I've bought the 442 preview magazine. We're going to discuss what they say about our chances and all that stuff. We might try and get a few uh, voices and other opinions, depending on who we can get in in the build-up to the National League season. But 
I think it's time for us to wrap up, Ian, and uh, invite a, a guest that's been pre-recorded prior to the game against Rex and being called off. So if there's anything out of date, a huge apologies. Not a lot I can do. I'm not going to go through and edit it all. I don't know how to. Um, so thank you, Dave, for joining us on the Glover's Cast this morning. It's been a short one. It's been a quick one. But thank you very much. Would you like to introduce uh, your interview with Tom from the Non-Leagues Lounge? Yeah, I'm going to try and remember how I finished, how I started it. I uh, probably just said hello or something like that. So, yes, introducing uh, Tom Scottston from the Non-League Lounge, talking to us about, uh, he talks a lot about Altrinum because he is an Altrinum fan, um, but he talks to us about what last season was like for him, what uh, he thinks this season will be, how much of a disgrace he thinks it is that everyone's got money except Altrinum and Yeovil, um, and what he thought of us um, from, from last season. So, yeah, hopefully you enjoy. Okay, so hello, this is Dave. I am joined by uh, Tom from the Non-League Lounge. Uh, we're going to talk about what the National League season has to throw at us. Um, obviously, Yeovil Town fans, we've been we're, we're hopeful or um, pessimistic, depending on who you talk to. But uh, Tom is going to be the voice of reason and balance for, for us all. But, so, Thomas, wonder if you could just start off by telling us, you know, what is the non-league lounge? What, what, what do you guys do there? Yeah, so this podcast then. So I set this up, must have been coming up to two years ago now. And it was on the uh, back from the away game I was driving. So I wasn't, you know, I hadn't had any beer and I was driving a few Altrincham fans back from, I think it was Kettering away in the National League North. So this was right at the start of 2020, just before coronavirus, and it suspended all divisions within English football. And I had just come back from, you know, a, a terrible experience at ski season. I hated it after three weeks and I came back and I really wasn't doing anything with my life or anything. And I needed to pick up something, do, you know, what I enjoyed, maybe find a job. And when I was driving back from Kettering away, so this is January 2020, and we were just speaking about non-league football in the car with all four, uh, four of us, all Altrincham fans. And of course, you know, they were chatting a bit of gibberish. I was trying to make sense of it. And at the end of the journey, I remember I must have got up about 1am in the morning getting in. And I thought that, you know, even though if that was all sober and we practiced on it a few times and we could get different fans in, in their perspectives and maybe players and managers and, you know, I hadn't really thought about it or crystallise it at that point. But the idea was there, the broad idea of thinking, well, I don't know any non-league podcast at the moment. So why don't I just create a conversation, see where it goes. Uh, I'll suggest it to a few people, see what they think. So anyway, the first person I suggested it to was my dad. And he said, what a brilliant idea. You know, I don't really also know myself that there's many non-league podcasts out there that talk about the depth and breadth of non-league, not just a one club podcast. So at that point, I thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to try and branch out, see what I can do. Uh, our first guest, really fortunate to have him, was Jordan Hume, who was playing uh, for Altrincham at the time. Real character, great lad as well, and a major part of the dressing room at the time for the last three seasons uh, that he was at the club. And I, he came in off his own back, didn't want any pain or anything. It was, it was brilliant. And that podcast, it really exploded in our sense. Anyway, it got thousands and thousands of downloads. 
And at that point, I really did think, well, there's a real appetite, not just from non-league fans, but other people have wanted to know what's going on in the game, not just from fans, but players and how they view the game differently, maybe to Premier League players or Premier League fans, because it is a completely different atmosphere non-league. You know, a lot of these players are part-time or especially in the National League North and South and below, especially the fans as well, that they can't afford these £100 match day tickets or £1,000 season tickets. They're just going off their own back. So... It started all the way in January 2020. It's developed enormously since then. We've only had a couple of fans in, which it was originally meant to be surrounded by, by the fans and for the fans. But because of COVID-19, we couldn't really contact many of them. And also players seem to be more forthcoming and who to speak to. And they seem to have some brilliant stories as well with them. So it's developed into this small idea on the way back from you know Birmingham to now over 60 episodes. We've got over 20,000 downloads now, which I'm really proud of considering I was not known at all in non-league. And I'm not saying I really am now, but, you know, we've got some big names such as, you know, Jono and Bernard following us. So it's, you know, I'm something that I'm really proud of, over a thousand followers on Twitter. And it's been one hell of an experience and it's really developed my broadcasting abilities as well at the same time and made me love non-league broadly, not just altering them. Yeah, and I have to say, folks, you can't see this, but I'm looking at Tom on his Zoom call here. He's got a very professional-looking setup here, so he's no- nothing like us amateurs of the Glovers cast. But uh, I think where you described there about uh, several mates, probably after a couple of drinks, talking gibberish and you being able to pull that together, that is a skill in itself, I think, of um, of, of, of football fans. I think um, Ian, who, who can't be with us here, he, um, uh, he he's the one who pulls uh, the gibberish that uh, my, my other <laughs> Colleague and I speak about on on the Glovers cast, but just to maybe kick off then, um, Tom. The you spoke there about COVID nineteen and last season, and you mentioned there obviously being being an alternate fan. I mean, from your your perspective, I know you're telling me before we came on air that you you saw a lot of games. What what was it like for you last season? You know, no fans, no non league north and non league south. I know you're in the obviously non league Premier. I mean, it was a weird year last year, wasn't it? Oh, it was very strange. I mean, I was very fortunate a few year, a few months even after I started this podcast up and uh, so I've been on a radio station that I got an internship from a local paper, Altrincham Today, or so it should say they're an online digital outlet as well as a bi-monthly magazine. And the initial thing was, right, we're going to start you off. We're going to start you off doing sport because we know you're an Altrincham fan. We saw that in your cover letter. So I got to see all the National League North playoff games that Altrincham were in. So when we beat Chester and going to York and also travelling to Boston as well when we won at 1-0 and it was a fantastic victory. So then, of course, the restrictions stayed the whole way through the 2020-2021 campaign up until the final few fixtures. And, you know, also not only did it give me something to do, but it was an amazing experience as a journalist and a broadcaster getting to interview Phil Parkinson, the Altrincham manager, as well as the assistant, Neil Sorville, getting to watch the game, speak to all sorts of different characters from the club and really hopefully get my name out there as well as writing a few pieces. But the football as well. So I managed to watch more or less every single team and it was surreal that I always thought that, I mean, you can tell these guys are professionals as well because they really didn't need a lot of the time the crowds on the back. You know, I, I remember, obviously, this is just analysing Altrium, but we seemed to play incredibly well for a long period of time without the fans. Now I thought for the kind of club we are, of course, we don't get the biggest attendances, whether it's in the National League North or the National League, but we are a very vocal bunch and I thought we would really miss that. Towards the end of the season, we did, and when... Fans were finally permitted to enter the gates. I think that there was a couple of results there that we wouldn't have got without the fans and spurring the players on. 
but it was just very strange. The atmosphere it didn't feel as personal. Some of it was quite sterile. And I think that a lot of the time at football games, and we'll both know that, is that not every game, especially in the National League, is going to be end-to-end football. Some of the times it is going to be quite drab. Play, uh, teams are going to be playing out for draws. But what makes it is the fans, whether it's a bad game or a good game, they will get behind the players, they'll have a moan, there'll be something funny, you get to catch up with your mates. And I think that's what I really missed, even though I was so fortunate to go to the vast majority of the games. Of course, there was other things that I picked up as well as playing styles and I managed to see some fantastic football and there's a couple of teams that we'll go on to that I was very much impressed and uh, when I saw them play Altrincham I was very surprised one of them being Solihull Moors that they didn't seem to make it that far up the table when the season uh, finished but it was uh, it was a brilliant experience nonetheless but I am so so happy that fans are finally back uh, in non-league and all across the country. Yeah, and uh, I got to the um, to the Oval game at Altrincham, uh, pretending to be an Altrincham fan at the end of last season, and uh, and and you quite. I have to say, it's the one place that I've heard more announcements saying, "Please, can you move your car?" I think there are at least four when I was stood there waiting, <laughs> waiting for the game to. So that was probably the, the the funny moment. But I know I know exactly um, what you mean, and I can't. I obviously didn't go to any of the games where there weren't supporters there. It, it, it must have been very surreal. I would have thought. But do, I mean, just on that game, you, you you said you were there. What what did you what did you make of that game against Yeovil? Because it was uh, was it four three to Altrincham in the end, it and uh, it was a it was a real topsy turvy one, wasn't it? I mean, it was a gripping game of football, and I think yeah. that the football fans coming in really did make a difference. I thought that you know Yeovil Town. This is looking at it. Uh, more dispassionately, I think they were a very good team. You had an injury right at the start of the game. I think yeah. that it was one of your better players as well. It was a really unfortunate and terrible uh, tackle that it seemed or a really hard tackle. But you seem to play some very good football. I, I, I've thought that, again, scoring three goals away from home is a major advantage. You came from 2-0 down and I don't think Altering would have managed to get back up to 4-3 without the, without the fans. So again, mm-hmm. in a different environment, I think you would have won that game. And maybe even not at the end of the season, you wouldn't. I, I've been very impressed with the Oval. And I remember that, unfortunately, I couldn't go to the away fixture as well when you, you won 3-1. I think you had Billy Sass Davis at the back who played for Altering yeah. for a bit as well. He was a very solid defender for you but I thought that I was surprised that you only made it just I think it was just below the bottom half I think that you look to me anyway what I saw that a top half team I think that you know Yeovil have a history of of course being a quintessentially non-league team other than maybe the past 20 to 25 years you've done enormous and fantastic stuff as well getting the championship for a season and being a real staple league one club as well when I was growing up so I think that you know it is a matter of time before you start going on to bigger and better things again I think this is probably a blip but I was very surprised when you played as maybe around February March time for the first time that you were near the relegation zone it was just completely took me by surprise especially looking at some of the outfits that we had played during the season so I, I was impressed of course that if I'm a Yeovil fan, I'm going to be very angry that you're losing the game in the last couple of minutes when you're winning 3-2 to lose 4-3. But there were definite positives, especially in the attacking options. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think one thing that Yeovil fans would say this uh, this summer is our attacking options have uh, have minimised a great deal. We're uh, we're as we record now, we're we're hoping that there are going to be more attacking options coming in before our opening day game against uh, against Wrexham, which uh, segues me beautifully into uh, and completely unintentionally into uh, talking about the season to come. Because um, I mean, you're you're an Alton fan, I'm a Yeovil Town fan. We can both sit here on our uh, in our ivory towers and say what a disgrace it is that Wrexham, Stockport, Chesterfield, uh, Notts County and, and all the rest are chucking around ridiculous sums of money, you know, safe in the knowledge that if we had ridiculous sums of money to chuck around, we'd be quite happy with it. But uh, I mean, what have you made of this summer? It's been absolutely bonkers, isn't it? The kind of cash is going around. I mean, it's been crazy and you wouldn't have thought that what preceded it was a pandemic where you didn't have any fans, turnstiles. I bet the advertisement was on the floor. Um, I mean, of course, that the, you know, the 10 million government grant or loan probably helped some of the spending. But I mean, I'm looking at Wrexham as well, that signing uh, Phil Parkinson was just introduced to the manager, if I'm correct as well. Um, It was appointed and he's not going to be on a small wage Mm -hmm. and definitely he's going to be on probably one of the top salaries in non-league football. But they also signed Paul Mullin, who is or won League Two player of the season last season. Now, I think that this is Wrexham's main chance to get promoted this season. They have been in the National League for nearly over 11 years, 11, 12 years. You know, they have found it incredibly difficult to get out nationally because it is a very difficult league. I think people underestimate how difficult it is. There's only one team that has jumped back straight from going down. and I can't remember who that is and uh, we'll come back to that. But some of the money that's been spent, especially Notts County as well, they've made a fair few signings. Remember um, Milne Cameron as well. He's a fantastic centre-back that came all the way from Torquay. Had him on my podcast many months ago, could have been over a year ago. I mean, he was that dedicated to his, to his football. The best story he had coming on my podcast was dropping a kebab on the floor on a night out. <laughs> Brilliant. It, it just shows that that's the, that's the modern footballer for yeah, you. Yeah. Non-league, that they're not like the old guard where they used to go out on a Saturday, Sunday, get inebriated, come back, rough as toast on the Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> These guys just want to make it into the league now. They are desperate. It's a career for them. It's not just a, a good job where they've got fantastic mates and they can also have a good career on the side. But they, I mean, some. I think it was Roberts as well that um, Notts County signed who's been unbelievable. Is it Carl Roberts? Some of the, Carl Roberts, the, that's the, right. Yeah, from Blythe. That they've, got that they've displayed and shown on social media, Notts County. Yeah. He looks electric. Mm-hmm. And Chesterfield as well, a huge budget. And I am worried because, again, that this is just going to keep filtering down the leagues. And what we love about non-league is, is because it is quite organic and you don't have ridiculous money spreading all over the, the, the place. However, as you say, and that what's going to happen is we sit in our ivory towers. If Ultron <laughs> were bankrolled by a multimillionaire, if I won the Euro Millions or National Lottery uh, today, I would be in the clubhouse tomorrow saying, right, I want to give this all to the club and <laughs> make sure we make league football. So, you know, you can't blame the fans and no. neither the management, you know, they, they dealt with the hand that they're given. But it, in one way, it is a bit depressing to see the amount of money that is being spent at this level. But it also fills me with a bit of dread because we have to go to these teams and try and put out a performance and not get absolutely battered. Um, so it's it's going to be a difficult one. But I, you know, I, I do think that if you're spending that much amount of money, the added pressure goes with that as well. And I think... Yeah. Same with the expectation. I expect to see Notts County, Wrexham, Chesterfield all the way up there at the end of the season. Yeah, and and Stockport, not a million miles away from where you are in uh, in Greater Manchester there as well. They brought in a few, haven't they? Scott Quigley, who was top scorer with Barrow a couple of seasons back in, in this division. Ben Ben Whitfield's ex-Yeovil Town, Loney, um, who had a very good season with Torquay last year. So, uh, I mean, Stockport have... 
splash some cash around. Let's not forget that they were, a, they were and are a very good side anyway. I mean, I don't know if you saw them. I probably would a couple of times yeah. last year. But John, John Rooney, for me, in midfield for them, was um, something else. And they've got um, a player called Paddy Madden up front as well. He was uh, a hero of ours when we got promoted to the championship, was our top scorer that season. Um, so they've already, they've added big money to an already big money squad. And I think... That's going to make them even more um, more of a threat this this season as well. Did did you see Stockport last year? Are you impressed by them? I did. I mean, I've always been impressed by Stockport because mm. they were our bogey team. I think that it took us about eight tries after the first game. We won three 0 What this is when they were right at the nadir, and then Stockport they were our bogey team. I remember in the National League North page, I think we played them four times the season, lost them all, and the guy went on the page on the Facebook. He went. I'm bored of beating Olsringham now. And that was just kind of how it was going. They just couldn't <laughs> start battering us and we couldn't score at all. Right. But this season, I was a bit disappointed with Stockport when I saw them. Again, right. I wouldn't call it a derby game because they are a much bigger squad. I'm not, you know, illusion, disillusioned, uh, not disillusioned. I'm not under that illusion no. that Stockport are a similar size to us or even, you know, double the size. They are a massive, massive club. They're a championship, mm-hmm. maybe League One club. They are huge. I did go to them, you know, Edgley, I did go to Edgeley Park on the 2nd of January and I also saw... Uh, the Boxing Day game, I think it was Connor Jennings who scored the equaliser and also he was a good guest for us as well on the non-league lounge. And I think that we did very well to compete with them, but I didn't think that they looked out of our league, even when we were 2-0 down against them on the, at the start of um, at the start of this year. We seemed to really compete with them and we ended up drawing with them 2 all, and we scored right. a couple of goals in short space of time. I think they will be better this season. I think they are, will be strong and it also shows as well that the National League that people now in the National League are willing not just to go around the county or maybe, you know, a few regions here and there. They're willing to go all the way halfway across the country to go and work and play at these teams. That shows that they're not the level of competitiveness is also, but the level of direction and, you know, forward looking that these teams are going to go and snatch players from Torquay and all the way across the Midlands and uh, down the, also at the South Coast. So I think Stockport will be better this season. I think that, of course, they had a good season. And they wish they probably could have got promoted, of course. But I think that I will expect to see a lot more of Stockport next season, especially against Altering, in which, you know, they would clearly think that they should beat a part-time team like us on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and again, you you mentioned there, Tom, about teams coming down from the league into the national league. This year, we've got Southend and, and Grimsby. I mean, looking at what they they've added, Southend have brought in quite a number of players. Grimsby have brought in a few, but probably not quite so many. I mean, we finishing our first season back in the non-league as you say we, we've spent an awful lot of time in the non-league so I don't think we quite had the airs of graces of some of the ex-league teams coming down but uh, I mean there do, do you think they have got is there any potential there from Southend and Grimsby to to bounce straight back up again? I mean with Southend it's a really tricky one and I can't work it out I could e- I easily see them going all the way back up big team league one league two huge resources and a really good stadium but the problem I see is, is maybe in Phil Brown. Now, I think people forget when Phil Brown took over, they were six points above the drop zone. They only had six or seven games left and they got relegated. And then yeah. he signed an extension of a contract. <laughs> I don't think that is a good omen for Southend United. I don't rate Phil Brown that much as a manager. I think that he really has tumbled all the way from the Premier League, all the way down to the National League, which I think there's a reason for that. I think that 
if that had just been on his CV, would he have got the job? No, you know, I don't think he would. I think the reason he got the job is because of the name and that he's a bit of a hero there. He's already managed at the team before. So I think Southend could easily struggle. There's a huge level of expectation. I can't, I can't imagine that Phil Brown is on small books either. And I could easily see them being the big disappointment of this year. I could be completely wrong, but that's my main hunch. With Grimsby Town, another great team, and I've never, as soon as they've ever been relegated, or even in the National League, it took them a while to get out of it, again, when they came back down. But they always seem to end right about near the top, at least top half of the table, pushing on the playoffs. But I've always had good times against Grimsby. We've always seemed to do quite well. I think we must, Ultron must have played them about 10 times in the history, and we've only lost once which is quite incredible considering the resources that Grimsby have. Huge team. The followings they bring and they have to travel at least two and a half, three hours to games that are just mid-range for, for them. And, you know, again, someone like Altrincham and Tuesday night, they must have bought about six, 700. That's massive. They are a huge team. And I would also like to go there for the fish and chips as well. Heard that's very good. <laughs> of course, on a, a pure... Not, not in the winter though. Try and avoid it. No. Anytime between October and February, I think, yeah. No, that's, uh, that's definitely out of the question. But I think that... Out of the two teams, we're talking about the two relegated sides, Southend or Grimsby. My hunch is Grimsby will do a lot better than Southend. I think they'll definitely both finish in the top half of the table, but whether either of them will get promoted is a different question. And I think the jury is definitely out on that one. Yeah. And um, obviously the last couple of seasons um, in the in the National League, certainly the two seasons that Yeovil have been there, uh, we've had some probably uh, champions that nobody would have picked. I mean, just looking before we came on the air, Barrow, the season before Barrow went up, finished 11th. And then last season's champion Sutton United finished uh, 14th in the 1920 um, season, the 2019-20 season. Um, so uh, if, if you have to pick one team that you think could be the dark horse, could be the surprise package, uh, you can't say Ultrinum and you <laughs> definitely shouldn't say Oval. So, uh, <laughs> so who, who, do you think there is a surprise package out there in the, in the National League? I think it's difficult because of the amount of money that's going around. And we were talking about that. It seems that money does more or less buy positions or it's close to it. Barrow, of course, and Solihull, the exceptions who did win automatic promotion. I think Solihull Moors will do better this season. I was yeah. very surprised that they didn't go and push onto the playoffs. I think they were one of the strongest sides that I saw when they played Holstringham right at the start of the season when they were playing at the J. Davidson Stadium. I think FC Halifax Town could do well. They've got quite a bit of money in a great stadium. And also Bromley. I think that they finished the season pretty strongly. They made it into the playoffs. Again, they've got resources and they had the league's top goal scorer last season. His name escapes me once more. Michael Cheek. Was it Michael Cheek? Michael Cheek, yes. Yeah. So he was definitely up there. And I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know if he has left. Yeah, he's, uh, no, I think he's still there. He's still there. They've got him and a, a, one of our old strikers, a guy called Courtney Duffus as well, who's, um, uh, who, who, who's there. So uh, yeah, they, they'd not be a good... Brilliant striker. Yeah. Really. And, you know, they did. I think, but I think Solihull Moore's definitely finished lower than both of those sides. And I think mm. they will finish pretty high. I would be very surprised if they didn't make the playoffs next season. I think they're yeah. more or less at least a hybrid, if not full-time team. They've got the money. Okay, they don't have the supporters, but they've got someone bankrolling them, or at least they're a relatively wealthy club. And I think that they should do better this season. But I'd say look out for both of those three sides. Watch them go and get relegated now. <laughs> and um, But I, I'd be very surprised. I think the, the teams that will struggle this season, I'm unsure of Altrincham. I'm, we have signed a few experienced players that really we needed because we've got quite a young squad. So I think that hopefully that should 
fill some of the the or you know fill some of the jigsaw. Um, I think Dover are destined to go down, especially after what happened last season. They've just got no money, and I was really unimpressed with both Woking and Wealdstone. I really mm-hmm. wasn't impressed with Wealdstone at the start of the season. They were brilliant, and they had a great Irish manager as well. And you know he unfortunately you know got the boot, and he was a, a brilliant lad as well. And I, they really did quite poorly towards the end of the season. I think Weymouth have a good enough striker to keep them up. And it's going to be difficult, but I think Dover are destined for uh, relegation. Kingsland have got a bit of money, so that might help them you know, scrape the barrel. But Wheelston and Woking, I just don't hold that much hope for either of them. Yeah, and uh, Dover obviously are starting on minus 10 points or minus 15 points because of their troubles last season as well. So, uh, yeah, as the Oval Town fans, we're sort of alphabetically challenged at the beginning of seasons, whereas yeah. Altenham, I think you do quite well in the alphabet, oh, I would think. Yeah. I start taking a picture of the league at that point. Exactly, know. yeah. So stop, we're, we're stop the quite, count. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, stop there. We're quite pleased to see Dover below us, at least at the... Um, the start of the season, the BBC table doesn't seem to caught up with that yet, but we're yeah we're, <laughs> we're hopeful that we, um, we we won't be down around there. But now I, I think I'd agree with you, um, Wilston, and I think I put Kings Lynn in there as well. I mean they did they did all right last season with um, uh, you know the sort of coming up from the National League North, didn't they? Albeit it was on a points per game at the end of the, the season before, but they seem to, they seem to do all right. Wilston started very strongly. And I think that's probably what saved them in the, in the end. They, I think we played them second game of the season at our place, drew two all. And then, um, and they were a completely different side to the one that we played right towards the end of the season. We won two no there. And to be honest, we, we beat them at a stroll with a, fairly poor side um, at the end of last season. So, uh, yeah, I'd agree with you. I think if I was picking a bottom three, I'd probably say in in, in reverse order, Dover, um, Kingsland and, and, and Wealdstone are probably put put down there. Woking always seem to have enough to get themselves at least into mid-table. But, um, yeah, it will be... There'll, there'll be a few, few part-time sides down there I'd have thought and if Yeovil can get himself above the part-time sides I guess that's um that's about as much as we can hope, hope for I mean what do you think of looking at uh, Yeovil from afar this season are there do you have any thoughts on how where, where you'd expect us to be I mean it's it's a really difficult one because again I was really surprised at how low you were in the table when we played you all the way back in March and lost 3-1 I know we were going through a rough patch but you seem to round off the game pretty solidly stopped us having many shots on target. And I think that, you know, it was completely such tragic news when Lee Collins sadly died. But what happened since then is this whole squad seemed to really rally around one another. And I think you went on an incredible run or you were incredibly solid after that. It really pushed you up the table and passed Altrincham. So after that tragic news, I think it really built a team spirit within the squad and you know whether it can hold on to that I'm I'm not too sure I think that it's a really difficult one with Yeovil because you seem to go through so much last season you know on and off the pitch I think that you will be pretty solid that's what it seemed even when we beat you 4-3 in the last minute I do think that was a lot to do with the advent of the fans and of course you know getting behind them and completely being a different atmosphere to the one that anyone had faced for the last 15 months so I think that from what I'd seen, and it could be completely different this season because it'll be a whole new squad again, I think that you'll be easily should make mid-table or should make, you know, a 14th, 13th place. I think with the level of competition and the money, it'll be very difficult to break into the playoffs. 
But never say never. And I think that there are far lot worse teams than you. It's just building a level of consistency that I think that you probably struggled with last season. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, as you say, they definitely college was a real that really put a, a shock through the um, through the entire club. And I, and I, I think we we it did rally us in in some ways, but in other ways, I think a lot of players struggled to sort of come come to terms with it. And you know, as you can understand from in a situation like that, it, it definitely turned a lot of players who were um, perhaps you know inform into players who who had their their minds elsewhere. And I think you know, as human beings, we can all completely understand that situation. And in the summer since then, we lost a few experienced pros that we had. Um, Charlie Lee, Jimmy Smith, uh, Carl Dickinson, who were also stalwarts of our time in in non-league and lost our top scorer, Reese Murphy, who's gone to um, into Southend as well. And I think there's a concern among some supporters that those players haven't been replaced. I mean, this, as we speak, a little over a week left until uh, the start of the season. So hopefully we'll see some, some, some people come in. But uh, I think... Where you say there, I was trying to sketch out who I thought was going to finish where in the, the table next year. I think I, I had us 14th and I think, yeah, mid, mid-table obscurity again might not um, might not be the end of the world um, next season. But nobody go, nobody really wants to go in the season saying, I hope we finish in mid-table obscurity, do they? No, I don't think anyone does. I mean, I would take mid-table obscurity this season. Yeah. I think that from an altering perspective, we found it difficult. We lost Alistair Smith to Sutton United, who was... One of the best passes of the ball in the National League. I think he had the best pass completion rate out of any midfielder. And this is from a part-time club. He was exceptional. I think Mansfield fans were bewildered and bemused to why they, they let someone of that calibre go. Mm-hmm. So it was very difficult for you know for the club to lose someone like that. We've brought in a few experienced players, such as Ben Pringle, who has played and had a vast career in league football. So hopefully that experience will rub off on some of the less experienced players. So I think that would be massive. We've bought also Marcus Dinanga, who was one of Telford's top goal scorers a couple of seasons ago. Didn't quite make it at Stevenage, but he's been bagging a few at um, in pre-season for Altrincham. And I think that's what we were mainly missing, that we could have been right up there with a top one or top two come February time if we'd had a lethal striker and maybe got ourselves out of the rut that we forced ourselves after losing to Wrexham 2-1 in end of February, start of March, that really caused us to go from about third or fourth to 16th, 17th last season. So I think that I'd be very happy if we came 15th. We weren't, we didn't go hybrid, which we expected to go this season. So that's, of course, has put us back a little bit. We finally got our first full-time manager in Phil Parkinson. Excellent, got a great vision for the club and was on Radio Alty to the the local station that I present as well, explaining what he has planned for uh, the coming season. So I'm confident. I don't think we will go down. I'd be quite surprised if we did because I think that there are teams that are worse than us. But because we are a part-time team, it is inevitable in the seasons that I've seen Olsham play that we will start to tire by... March, May, April time and then we can't guarantee results or even a win after that period because we will just be very tired I know we've become more professional since the days of a decade ago when we had Graham Heathcote as manager but I think if we got 14th, 15th I'd snatch your hand off at this point and then after that when we hopefully go hybrid and maybe full time as many of the fans, the board and certainly the manager wants to then we can start looking up towards the top of the league and maybe snatching a playoff place in the next two to three years 
Fantastic. Well, Tom, I really appreciate you giving us uh, your time uh, today and uh, hopefully people have uh, found it interesting to have, as you said at the beginning, a dispassionate view of uh, of what the National League looks like uh, next season. So um, obviously best of luck to you and, uh, and, and Altrincham next season, except for the two games you play against Yeovil, of course. Um, and I'm sure you'd, uh, you'd, you'd say the same. But, Reciprocate uh, yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, Tom, really appreciate your time. Thanks very much for, for joining us. Thank you very much, David. Very much enjoyed myself. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Six minutes gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot. Goal! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 